Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation, right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, and where all good radio shows are played. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, the unbelievable New England zone, Van Helsink, with me all the way from across the pond in the land of the Red Dragon is the most outstanding Steve Parsons. Good evening. How are you? Outstanding. You are always outstanding. You have always been standing out in your community. Mm-mm. Oh, standing in the field. Anyways, yeah. 18, we have- 18, 18 days to spur across. 18 days to go. 18 days to go. We're all packed. Yep. And my, my, my Homeland Security Esther pass has been approved, and they're going to let me back in. How cool is that? That's a mistake. If I, I know. Seen I know. So anyways, uh, a lot of things happened since the last time I spoke with you. Of course, we've got some new events coming up that we scheduled, and which is really exciting. But you want to talk about something different which is, I don't know, thermal imaging or something? Well, you know, I one of the things that we, we've been doing lately is we've been doing some topical bits and pieces with the news, but we, we've been overlooking the equipment a little bit, except to... Uh, As well we perha- should. Perhaps lambaste it or lampoon it, but the truth is uh, some of the equipment does have its uses, and one of the, since about, what, the mid 2000s, the last 10 years, thermal imaging cameras have been extremely popular and uh, have been dropping incredibly in price. And I remember. Oh, yeah, unbelievable, huh? Uh, I remember when we first got ours, it was about three and a half thousand pounds. And uh, but a year or so ago, our our, our first uh, thermal imaging was fifteen thousand dollars and at another five thousand for the remote. Uh, screen thing, so there you put go. That, you see, yeah, put that in your uh, pipe. That's Puff. a lot of money. Now you can get them fairly it's cheap. A, it's a lot of bucks. And just after we got back from Spirit Quest last year, and we were talking about it while I was over there, uh, there was um, the first rumors started to appear of devices that you could attach to your smartphone or your tablet computer to take out into the field that were going to be priced at. Well, they weren't Just, rumors. If if you went to the uh, the there were rumors, web- if you try, yeah, yeah, there were rumors if you tried to get one, <laughs> they were so popular that they were mere rumors. If you tried to get hold of one of these things, um, but there were two companies. Flair had brought out were uh, bringing out one of their own, and uh, also a company from California called Seek Thermal, and um, they were going to be priced at just a few hundred dollars. Well. Just after I got back last year, you know I managed to get my hand on the FLIR unit mm-hmm. and use it successfully with my iPhone 5. But the problem was with the FLIR unit, with the iPhone 5, is it, it was in a, a built-in package that had to attach a round wrap around the phone. Mm-hmm. And I, I just upgraded my phone to the new iPhone 6, which meant that I was stuck with either keeping hold of the phone 
just to use as a thermal imaging camera. Nothing wrong with that. But, well, nothing wrong with it, but, you know, having two, two phones. Um, but uh, in just some are just gone. Just coming out now on the market is the new FLIR 1. Uh, which is a completely reworked, remodeled unit for the iPhone and also for Android devices. Uh, so it fits any smartphone that's, that's up to date. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough because of, I, I guess because we've bought enough thermal imaging cameras over the years, FLIR sent me an early release version, so ahead of the market release uh, here in oh, the UK. Cool. Very cool. Um, and I've been playing around with it. And do you know what, what? what's really cool about these cameras is they are, you know, they are very affo- affordable. Uh, the FLIR 1 is retailing at $259. Uh, and you can still get the iPhone 5, which is on sale now. Uh, the iPhone 5, earlier version of the FLIR 1. Confusingly, they both have the same name. Uh, but that's down to under $150 now. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Android version uh, by, uh, is, is the same price. Um, so I've been playing around with the new one. I'll be bringing it over to the States with me for Spirit Quest. Um, yeah, and actually, and- even, even the FLIR camera itself, uh, I spent uh, 1000 the last time I bought it, and uh, it's under $500 now. So, uh, exactly. yeah, it's all going down, you know. Yeah, the, I mean, the X-Tech 5, the X-Tech 3, which is what Flair market them in the USA, have, uh, in fact, they just released a new version um, of both models with improved uh, technology. Well, what's really exciting about these is that the resolution um, of these uh, mobile phone cameras, these smart device cameras, so you can turn your iPad into a 10-inch screen thermal imaging camera instead of the little pokey screens that you've got on the X-Techs. Um, yeah, but the, two and a half inch screen. Is, is it really just thermal imaging, or is it a, a camera as well? I well, mean, does, does it have the the, the double effect? Uh, in, I, I'm not really sure what you mean. There are two on the FLIR. Um, well, let's deal with them one at a time. Well, first of all, we'll talk about the FLIR one, um, okay. and there are links on the on the Ghost Chronicles page. Okay. FLIR one uses um, the same technology that's now built into the. Uh, the models like the X-Tech 3, 5, and 7 and the E-Series, which is called MSX Technology, uh, which actually does have two cameras. It has the conventional thermal imaging camera that we're all used to now, we all used to seeing the pictures of, but it also has a, a visible light camera um, adjacent to it, so the two lenses are actually side by side. Um, now, obviously, the visible light camera doesn't work in the dark, but what it does do is it superimposes the visible light picture over the thermal picture, allowing you to get where there, where there is some available light, uh, it does allow you to get a better clarity um, and identification of the subject, that, that, uh, of the heat source. Now, obviously, in complete darkness, uh, it won't work, uh, but you do get these twin images now, which you can, you can do a great deal with, and we're just going to drag one up onto the... Um, Ghost Chronicles pages I'm speaking, which is a sample picture, which actually shows you the two images that you, you, that you get from the camera side by side. But what's interesting, what's really, really cool about this is I remember our three and a half thousand pound camera from 10 years ago, uh, and it had a resolution of 60 by 60, which is 3,600 pixels resolution, um, which you know, in comparison to even a very basic web camera, 
is really, you know, it's rubbish. Um, you know, a, a digital camera will easily exceed 8 million, so 3,600 pixels in terms of the resolution and quality of the image is really rather poor. But nonetheless, it, for, for the ability to see thermally, it was a huge advantage, and we paid, you know, we paid hundreds, thousands of, of pounds for that ability. Um, the the base, the first model of the FLIR one uh, had an eighty by sixty resolution sensor, so it was better than the, the camera of ten years ago. And if people remember something like uh, the earlier editions of Ghost Hunters, uh, some of their cameras were twenty by. 30 resolution um, these, and in Predator it was I think again in, in the Predator movie the thermal resolution of the movie camera that they, the, the camera they used in the film was 20 by 30 um, the new generation of the FLIR 1 um, gives you 19,200 pixels so four times the resolution of the first uh, version sensor um, and in fact, the same resolution as the XTEC series, the uh, E3, or the i3 as it's called here in the UK, um, and the i5 and the i7. So we've now got this uh, incredible ability uh, to attach these very small battery-powered modules to the camera, uh, to your smartphone or, or your tablet device. Uh, what's really interesting is, uh, unlike the handheld thermal images, uh, the base models, the basic consumer models, um, which record stills when you when you pull the trigger, uh, these uh, the, the the cell phone versions also record stills, but they also record video. Um, so you've got thermal video, which again you just plug your iPhone or your smartphone into your computer, and you can download this stuff. What they don't tell you, and the coolest feature of all, is that FLIR manufacture some special software uh, called FLIR Tools, uh, which allows you to um, analyse the data. You've got 19,200 individual thermometers. Now, they're not perfect. There are problems with thermal imaging uh, in terms of measuring temperature. Um, but nonetheless, you've got 19,200 tiny thermometers in every picture that you take and using uh, the FLIR tools software which can be downloadable for any free for any PC or Mac computer from the FLIR website you can then analyze any of those pixels you can look at them in detail you can draw isotherms which gives you gradients across an image uh, it allows you to take uh, areas within the image and size that area and look at the temperature detail within that image. Um, and it allows you to do a great deal of interesting uh, temperature data from that, from that picture, which thermography is, really is what it's all about. I mean, you, you, you and I have both done the FLIR course, uh, which teaches you the rudiments of thermography and how to analyse the data, but you can now use uh, the data from the FLIR uh, smartphone camera in exactly the same way that you can uh, with the handheld cameras, the, the, the more sort of uh, engineer's quality cameras. Uh, but FLIR don't tell you that part of it, and they don't promote the use of their FLIR tools software with the FLIR 1 camera, and in fact you can't import the images directly. Um, the software won't allow you to, but you can just drag and drop the images in, uh, in which case it will work perfectly. They've allowed a little, they've left a little loophole for uh, for doing that rather neat trick. So uh, they have a competitor though, 
Um, in addition to Flare, with the Flare One, um, there is a company in California who were ju- uh, just going to market and promoting their device a year or so ago um, called Seek Thermal. They're based in California. They're a combination of Raytheon and uh, uh, some other companies, <clears throat> and they put together a camera called Seek, the Seek Thermal camera, which is uh, smaller than the FLIR one, uh, has, a gr- has a higher thermal-only resolution. It's a single camera unit. It doesn't have the um, secondary camera that uh, the FLIR one has. Um, it also works with either the the Apple devices, say your, your uh, iPad or your iPhone, but it also, like the, FLIR, the new second-generation FLIR one, works with your... Uh, <clears throat> I forgot what yes. I was saying. Yeah, your your Android phones also. So uh, anything with a mini USB socket on the bottom. It, although the thermal image is higher at about twenty eight thousand megapixels, uh, pixels, um, without the the image is actually of a slightly less quality. Uh, side by side, comparatively, uh, the image from the Seek camera isn't uh, doesn't have the quality. Uh, and the clarity of the FLIR camera. Uh, but these... Yeah, we've, <coughs> I think uh, Clay has that, and I wasn't impressed with it at all. So. No, it's, it's, um, it's, it's only in its first generation, and if we compare the images from, for example, the uh, model thermal imager that you've, that you've now got, um, and the one that most people do have, which would be the X-Tech or the, the FLIR i-series... Um, I'm just putting up some FLIR tools um, so, uh, image captures onto our page as we speak so people can see some of the, stuff, the cool stuff they can do with the, the image capture. It also incidentally works as an X-ray camera. Um, if you look at the pictures, you'll see, you'll see the pun. Um, you compare the Ghost Hunters. I was watching Ghost Hunters today doing some research for the, for the program because they, they've reported several thermal anomalies over the years. Oh, yeah, they have. The most many, famous many, one, of course, was the one that, with the hat on the, on the uh, locker. Yeah, the number two on the locker, which anybody who's done the course can, can explain in a, in a flash of a second um, as a simple, let's set the emissivity of the camera correctly. We'll come to that maybe in a little while. But if you look at the actual clarity of the image from, from those 20 by 30 pixel cameras um, to the Seek, now... You, you might not be impressed with the Seek now, but in that 10-year span, look at the quality jump. And even in the one-year span between the two FLIR cameras, um, we've got a four times resolution increase. So I think in a few years' time, and in fact, uh, both FLIR and Apple have a joint collaborative patent at the moment uh, for the inclusion of a thermal imaging camera within the phone itself, um, so we might see the beginnings of an inclusion um, of uh, multiple uh, imaging systems within, within smartphones. Now, <clears throat> the big question, the elephant in the room is, yeah, it's really cool having a thermal camera, but how useful are they in terms of ghost hunting? Mm-hmm. How useful are they? Well, <clears throat> what's hope? Hoping you, hoping you, you just hoping you'd ask me that question. Um, my honest opinion: I've had a thermal camera 
um, for approaching 12 years. And I've used my thermal camera in lots of situations. Um, and in fact, we got to use the first thermal camera well over approaching 15 or 16 years ago now when we did when we did the television uh, program and they hired in a thermal a thermal imager. Um, but in terms of the evidence that they're able to capture, and again today I was I was trawling YouTube looking for some fantastic footage of ghosts captured on thermal camera. And there isn't any. Um, and that's oh, wait a minute. There's plenty of them. You just go on there's the uh, Ghost Hunter show. Uh, you no, just no, see lots no, of them. Yeah, 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 in the title there might be. But in terms of actual convincing, compelling, I think there was one or two videos that made me sit up and take notice and consider that I would like to have a better look at the footage of it, the original footage, which, of course, you can't do on YouTube. Um, but the, the vast majority of it, including all of the stuff that, that was portrayed on, on Ghost Hunters and, indeed, Ghost Adventures and Most Haunted and all of the other programs, and, and is put up by groups and investigators onto YouTube. Really, uh, if you've done the thermal imaging course, um, can relatively quickly be explained... A thermal imaging camera, if we just go right the way back to basics, is very, very similar to the infrared thermometers that every ghost hunter virtually has in his kit. You know, the ones that look like a shot, uh, a pistol that shoots a beam of laser light. Um, it, see, it, it, it has a, a, a sensor uh, called mm -hmm. a fixed plane array sensor um, with, again, a, a number of... We, we actually have a question from Nate in the chat. Room. He says, doesn't thermal only see temperature of solid objects? Uh, that's absolutely correct, except for one very special brand. I'll come on to that in a minute, Nate, um, but you're absolutely correct, except for one uh, exception. Um, but the thermal imaging camera is, is effectively identical to, in, in the way it, it, it functions, to a, a point-and-shoot laser thermometer, except that the, the information from the individual sensors, the pixels, is turned into an image, a synthetic image. It's entirely constructed. With inside the sense, with inside the the imager, uh, it's not a real world picture like a camera would take. It's a synthetic image, um, but there are uh, as as anybody who will read their instruction manuals um, with the with the thermal imaging cameras and or the the uh, laser thermometers will know that there are several settings. One, uh, there are two important settings. One of which is emissivity. Um, which relates to the uh, to calibrate which calibrates the camera to the amount of infrared uh, energy that's being given off or reflected by an object, um, because all objects are, that are above absolute zero will give off infrared energy, but they will also reflect infrared energy, uh, just as every object reflects light, and the camera needs to know this information, it needs to be calibrated to this information, otherwise you get erroneous readings. And a classic example of the emissivity problem uh, was the number two on the locker door at the, was it the Clemens? Uh, Clemens, I think in, in Ghost Hunters, where they couldn't explain why the number two was glowing. Well, that's simply because white paint has a, has a, 
a higher emissivity. It reflects more infrared energy from its environment than the dust. Yeah, but there was more than just a number there. There was also a figure. Uh, well, the, the figure, the, the figure, the figure. If you if you watch the clip, and I've watched it several times today, if you watch the clip, you'll realise that they don't make a big deal of the figure because they quickly realise that it's a member of the crew. Uh, and move on to the glowing number two on the door, and never mention the figure ever again. Um, That's not the, the, the first one. It, they mentioned it quite a bit, absolutely. They, they, they mention it, and then they go on to the number two and ne- don't come back to the figure. Right, the figure they, is, they, they concentrate on the number two. The figure is, I mean, you and I both, um, the, figure, the figure is quite clearly a member of the crew. It's, it's, it, it's not paranormal in any way, and in fact... Um, there have been a number of people who have who have done back projected ray trace uh, analysis that show it's clearly a reflection of somebody somebody in the room. Uh, but also, but they, they I think also realised what they'd done, what they got in with this thermal reflection, and made a big deal instead of about the glowing number two, which is straightforward. White paint is reflecting more infrared energy uh, than the dull grey locker door, and so. To the camera, which was uncalibrated, uh, you can actually see the settings on the camera, um, on the video footage, and it was it was an emissivity problem, uh, plain and simple. Now, just to cover Nate's question, um, it's absolutely correct. A thermal imaging camera can only see, uh, and indeed, a thermal imi- uh, a thermal uh, ray gun type thermometer can only measure the temperature of a solid infrared emitter. So. Uh, something like, for example, a solid surface, a flame, which in effect is a solid wall, um, uh, a person. Uh, it can't see. How uh, to say? Can't. They can just about in some circumstances see gas. Uh, so you can, if you're very close, for example, above the the, the head of a match, you can see the the uh, interface. Isn't that funny? In thermal imaging, you can see gas, which is kind of cool. Well, you can't see gas. In fact, uh, with an IR with an IR camera, you can. I'm sorry. I'm no, not with an IR camera, you can't because. No, yes, you uh, can. Uh, well, actually, FLIR themselves have a have a have a page dedicated to that, and they say quite clearly that the camera lens is specially coated to remove. Uh, as many air gas artifacts as is possible, because otherwise it would obscure the image of what you're trying to see, which is the hot object that's behind the behind the layer of air that's between you and it. Right, I'm, I'm talking strictly now. Young, what, you're, what you're seeing when you look at the head of a match and you see the plume uh, or the smoke plume, what you're actually seeing is a reflective index, um, because rather like the the heat haze that you see on a, on a summer's day. Or the surface of water, what you're seeing is, is uh, a, an actual surface between two densities of gas, which one is hot, so it's, it's seeing it as a kind of solid. Uh, but FLIR do, in fact, make a range of very specialised cameras called the Gas Find IR. I'm not talking uh, about FLIR, I'm talking strictly regular IR cameras. I mean, regular infrared cameras, right? Uh... Well, you mean night vision cameras? Yeah. Yeah, you can see. Well, yeah, well, of course, because you, you're seeing infrared. So if it's got a heat source, it's infrared. Uh, and emitting exactly. low. That's what I was suggesting. Low, low band. In, I thought you were talking about thermal. Thermal cameras no, are no, specifically no. designed not to see. No, no, gas. I wasn't talking about thermal cameras. That's right, why I was sorry. disagreeing with you. But you can't, you can't still see it uh, w- with another piece of equipment. Uh, yeah. 
you know, and so of course you can feel it. What's that? And of course you can measure it with other types of thermometer. Exactly. Yeah. But the the FLIR camera can't. Um, the thermal camera, Nate's question, which is one I was answering, it says, doesn't the thermal see only the temperature of solids? That's absolutely correct, except for one very specific type of camera that was developed by FLIR uh, for the petrochemical industry. Um, they needed a camera to be able to detect gas leaks in pipelines. And, of course, a gas leak is uh, when you spray, for example, an aerosol, there is a cold stream of vapor, uh, aerosol gas that's, that, that comes racing out of the, of the end of the nozzle. And it's much the same in the pipeline leak. You have this, this aerosol of uh, gas being emitted at a very specific temperature. And so what FLIR did is they designed a, a specific range of cameras, one for each type of gas or a tunable camera for a range of gases. And they were called the Gas Find IRs. Uh, if you want one, it will see. It will probably see gaseous ghosts, but you're going to cost you seventy-five thousand pounds for the base model. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, we see all these ghost pictures, but what we're actually seeing, I think, is is uncalibrated, untrained use of thermal imaging cameras, mm-hmm. and then we have this psychological problem, uh, which we, I know we've touched on in previous shows, uh, in relation to people are looking at a picture, but the picture itself is synthetic. It's not a real picture. It's constructed by the camera uh, f- to allow the investigator or the user to interpret this, the, the, the data from the, from the sensor. Uh, so when the, data from w- when the sensor data is corrupted or when the sensor is sending you perfectly normal information that you're not expecting because you, your mind believes that you're looking at a photograph, your brain is... is interpreting it as a photograph, which in, in fact it isn't, um, you end up with all of these false assumptions being made by the investigator. They're being misled by the equipment. And, of course, that's one of the things that you'll recall is covered in the course. Uh, things like thermal reflections and thermal anomalies, uh, which right. we constantly see being presented. As... I mean, but that's, I mean, the, the thing, the problem is with that is, you know, people are out looking for ghosts and then they see a thermal reflection in a, a glass and they, they think the same way as they're seeing something uh, distorted image in a window and it's therefore paranormal. Well, yeah, but that's, you could say that you say the same about just about every camera that, that, that people are using. For example, if people go down to the local um, old building and just as, just as a, a tourist and take hundreds of pictures, they'll look at the pictures when they get back home, admire the architecture in the pictures. If they're looking at the pictures because they're, they're ghost hunting, they will scrutinise the pictures for every anomaly, and there is plenty of anomalies uh, but after the break, we'll talk about some of the positive uses of... No, I think we're done with thermal imaging. Well, there are some positives. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. They are useful. Yeah, for fighting fires. No, they're useful in ghost technology as well. Yeah. You we'll, find out in 15, we'll find out in 30 seconds' time. Oh, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with the great rendition of the thermal imaging uh, by Steve Parsons right here on Tojinet, Parax, Planet Paranormal, and wherever else this is being played. We'll be right back after the following messages.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky. The Parax family. The shows are paranormal. Not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal. The Parax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parax family. Greetings and felicitations. I am Ron Collette, New England's own Van Helsing. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the Blonde Bombshell. And we're here at the elegant Vintage Hall, the Downton Abbey of Lennox. And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you. To tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. On Tokenet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal. You can even listen live on your smartphone with your tune-in app. I'll catch the podcast on iTunes. And now, time for tea. There are, the heartbeat reminds me there are even medical thermal imaging uses now. But Am nonetheless... Still alive? Yeah. Are you still alive? I don't know. I, cardiologist I don't. is just trying to find out, so... Well, I'm just trying to find out. Anyway, welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International with Ron Van Hipslinger and the bloke from West Wales. Um, mm, before go. the break, Before the break, Rog, Ron had grudgingly let me do some product uh, reviewing for uh, the new range of portable smart device and thermal imaging cameras. And do you know what? For 30 minutes, rattled on and said nothing good about them, except that thermal images are really good for ghost hunters. There you I go. Promised. As I promised, I would say before the break, because you can do some really cool temperature measuring 
and stuff with 19,200 thermometers. But I'm going to end this section on thermal imaging with one little known fact, that the thermal imaging camera was first invented and demonstrated in the 1920s in the UK. And one of the first people that was shown a working thermal imager, which was then called the Noctavisor, was a the guy Noctavisor. called... The Noctavisor was a man called... It was invent, the Noctavisor was invented by John Logie Bird, the man who invented the television system that we all wow. use and love today. Now, he demonstrated the Noctavisor to Sir Oliver Lodge, one of the leading lights in psychical research and oh, a member my. of the Society for Psychical Research, who never, who never, ever made the connection between its usefulness in psychical research and the possibility of the Noctavisor. Nor did Harry Price. Price so do we, do we know when the to... first use of the uh, thermal imager for ghost hunting? Uh, actually, we don't. Parascience did a program for Japanese television in 1998, and we did uh, get them to hire in a thermal imaging camera but I'm guessing that we'd seen the, it in use somewhere else. Now, certainly most haunted ghost hunters, blah, 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 didn't exist in 1998, so I'm not claiming for a second that we were the first. Oh, you should, because we were using it in 98, so there you go. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to say we've obviously picked it up from somewhere as a potential useful asset. I don't think so. I think it's more, you know, because I had even never even heard of you at that time. I think it's more of a uh, uh, independent huh? thought thing where you have uh, uh, people come up with the same ideas and different times. Different no, I... Well, I wasn't claiming that we thought of it. I'm just saying that um, back in 98, there must have been something that, that triggered the idea of let's get a thermal camera when the Japanese said, is there any equipment you want us to bring? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there was obviously something that, that we probably seen in, in the you know, maybe 97, 96 or something. Uh, uh, it may even have been the Predator movie. I just don't know. Um, but we certainly were using them with the documentaries in, from 98, Right. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, the most uh, we used an extremely expensive one at the time because we had a member of the uh, the fire department on our team, and we were yeah. able to have access to it. It's the only reason we had it uh, at that time. And so it's interesting uh, things you see. And of course, back then, uh, the thermal imager that we had, even though it cost so much money, uh, was still only black and white. Uh, well, but you know it could see three walls in a building, which was really interesting. Well, not three. They didn't see two walls. I'm trying to think of that. Did it see two walls or not? But it did broadcast, which was cool. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is um, with the modern thermal images, uh, the ones that we that we we have today is I would always recommend that you switch it to black and white mode uh, because ah, actually the, the contrast and clarity of the image is better than when you're using one of the color modes um, that most people just leave. So that goes to the shades of gray thing? Yeah. um, Well, if you look at the military, if you look at the uh, police department, fire department, all of those are monochrome, and they're monochrome black and white um, for a reason. uh, So you you have the best clarity. Before we go to get off this subject, which has been way too long, is um, what are the good uses of thermal imaging for ghost hunting? 
Well, essentially, you've got two. One is to measure the temperature, because to do a baseline measurement of a room in the old-fashioned way would take you hours, days to identify. Drafts would take, you know, forever. But with a thermal camera, you can you can take panoramas, you can take your, your, your thermographs, and then you can do all that cool analysis stuff. And you can very quickly, whilst looking at the screen, um, get a great deal of useful temperature information. So saves hours. Uh, the other cool thing it can do is, of course, fraud detection, because uh, you know you touch something, you're going to leave your hot sticky handprint all over it. And uh, I, I know that you've seen the the uh, presentation I did at Spirit Quest, I think it was last year, which shows a medium being caught by a thermal imaging camera. Um, touching somebody during a seance and then claiming it was a spirit because they left their hot, sticky, little mediumistic handprint right on the butt of well, the poor you know, person. You, you just, you the just brought up that whole thing. Now, you know, it's always been, ever since I started getting it, that uh, spirits, you know, the whole cold concept and all that cold spot and everything else, and then... Uh, you know, the thermal imagers is, is great for, you know, finding fraud, which means images that, uh, you know, is a live person rather than someone who's deceased. But now they just turn that around and, and say that, uh, you know, spirits are hot images, too. So, you know, I, I see less and less use of the thermal imaging, if you ask me. Um, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, it, it's not the universe. Every every ghost in, uh, gadget that's come along from the EMF meter, then EVP and uh, K2s, every one of them has has been the must-have go-to gadget uh, of its day. And the thermal imager was no, was no exception. But then investigators realised it in actual fact. And if you look at the, the the actual lack of evidence on YouTube, the actual you know compare the number of thermal ghosts to EVP ghosts, um, you have far 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 less thermal ghosts. Because ghost hunters have realised that the, actually it, it isn't that cool a gadget. Um, it isn't doesn't give you a great deal of useful information. But nonetheless, the information is useful. Uh, you know, if mediums want to want to put their sticky hands on people, and if they want to touch objects and, and claim that the spirits move them, then a thermal imaging camera is one very surefire, very quick way of finding out what they're up to. There's also with the with the uh, XTech series. Uh, you can also, by using the medical settings uh, within the camera um, and calibrating the the temperature sliders, you can actually see in real time if somebody's pushing a planchette, for example. Because when you push and apply pressure through your fingertip, the uh, the blood supply to the fingertip uh, lessens. That's why you get you know a white fingertip, and the thermal camera can see that because less blood flowing to the fingertip, therefore the fingertip uh, temperature cools. Mm -hmm very quickly, and you can see who's ply, applying too much pressure to the planchette. Uh, you, but you do have to play well, around not, with the settings. Not too much pressure. I, I, I kind of... Well, more pressure, more pressure than anybody else, for example. And you exactly. Can quite, yeah. You can quite clearly... Uh, Unless, of course, you have uh, circuitry problems, then that would be... Well, that would be part of your baseline to ascertain these things, as a good investigator should. So, uh, anyways, moving right along, we're into 20 minutes of uh, <laughs> this again. Um, we will be doing, as part of Spirit Quest on the 18th to the 19th, we will be doing the Blair Witch Ghost Hunt, which is taken from the Blair Witch movie, which is a horrible movie. Uh, but it was <laughs> taken outside, and since theme of uh, 
spread across the year is, is which goes hunting and, and fit in perfect. Um, so what will the uses be of the thermal imager when we're doing our investigations through the various trails? Well, I mean, the first and most obvious thing is finding people, um, you know, because in these very low light, dark conditions. There's no problem with that because we will be mocking people, so people will be quite visible. So that's well, not. We won't be marking all of the wildlife either. And the thermal. Ah, that's an interesting story, yes. It's is very useful. You know, you hear a noise in the canopy above you, you'll quickly ascertain whether it's a squirrel or, uh, or some other uh, wildlife because obviously. Banshee animals. Or, uh, you know, uh, a well, I mean, we or, or a Bigfoot or, you know. Well, we, we, you know, we, we don't know what they look like on thermal images. Nobody's ever got a thermal of Chubacabra or a Pukwudgie. Uh, but, you know, we'll know it's there because it can't hide in the dark from a thermal camera. Um, nor can normal wildlife, importantly. So if it's a squirrel or a drop bear or, or any of the other wildlife of New England that lurks, uh, you know, brown bears, black bears, polar bears, um, you know, we'll get advance warning that it's round and about. But we'll also be able to, you know... One of the things I think is going to be really cool because is that we're going to burn a witch. And so the thermal imaging camera will allow us to, uh, the witch's bonfire, to find out just how much you know heat does, does a witch generate. When no, we, you can find out how much, yeah, the cal- but you won't find the calories, which is probably more oh, well, 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 actually, <laughs> we'd have to wait for my talk. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, the, answer that question. part of this, uh, this display, which is a series of trails that run... Uh, here at VZ along uh, Johnson Pond and through the woods and, and including the, the Ghost Trail, which I did not name. It's, that is the real name on the map that uh, is given out by VZ Park. So uh, it should be exciting. And, uh, of course, the the house on the hilltop will be part of it as well. Um, so, I mean, if we are, and, and I'm sure you have done this before, if you are going to do an investigation along trails in the woods, what, what equipment should you bring, Stephen? Well, I certainly wouldn't bring any bright flashlights and torches. I mean, that's the one thing that I would get people to leave behind. They need, some, they need light, um, but I would get them to use dim torches because it takes it takes about 20 to 30 minutes for your night vision your human night vision uh, to develop to its fullest potential and there are you know let, let's first of all let's forget about the paranormal let's deal with the the, the normal the health and safety uh, you've got you know rough ground rough terrain an unfamiliar environment we what you need to do is to have the maximum from your five senses and so if you're going to blind yourself with camera flashes and bright xenon torches then you're going to immediately handicap and disadvantage yourself so uh, i think first of all if you're outdoors in an unfamiliar environment you have to deal with the um, with the, the health and safety aspects but you also have to bear in mind the psychology of being outdoors people have um you're straying away from the thing. What do we need for equipment? I'm not well, trying to get it, it, into psychology. Well, I'm trying to find out what equipment should, well, be, equipment, I, that should be available. I, this is what I'm getting at. Well, I, 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 would, I would go with uh, a bare minimum of equipment. Uh, I, I, it, the inevitability, people will want to take sound recording, but you're going to get lots of animals, and you, you're going to have to then compare all of the sounds that you record against the database of all of the known animal life of New England. Um, 
So what, what use is it? The five senses that we've got and the notebook and pen and a video camera, night vision uh, video is perfect for this environment because it's very, it has its own infrared lights. It's very low emitting. It won't blind everybody, which means it's not going to disable the team in terms of their own um, experiences. Um, the Blair Witch Project, I think the night scenes were filmed on a night vision camera. Um, but, you know, rushing around in the woods with bright torches ain't going to find you a ghost, but it is going to find you in, in the local um, ER. So I, I would strip down the equipment to the bare minimum. Um, interesting. It's interesting. I would take some. I would consider EVP because if we go back to the 1950s and Jurgens and the his I was EVP just going to mention that were made outdoors in in the in the forest and in the woods exactly. using using the 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 white noise effect of the wind blowing through the leaves through the leaf canopy. So I think EVP might be something that's worth considering. Uh, night vision video is is something that would give us both sound and vision which would support anybody's human experiences, but we mustn't overlook the human experiences. Uh, and so we do, you know, we do need to pay close attention to documenting that, and so a notebook and pen. Which is interesting. And, and of course, you, you know, in case we do run into that puckwudgie that has a tendency to take people over, I will have my special blend available for protection along. Uh, so there you go. That will Hard be. hats as well for drop bears. No, I don't have drop bears. Anyways, uh so that's that's kind of cool. I mean, I'm really looking forward to the Blue Witch Ghost Hunt. But we have some new events that we wanted to announce, and I know we're getting down to the end of the show. Uh, you and I will be part of uh, Bewitched and Andover uh, as well, and we'll be doing a special ghost hunt there at the Andover Historical Society, which will be limited to only 20 people. And the place is – it's a very large place. Uh, it, it has a barn, it has uh, a workshop, it has a cellar, it has three floors in the main building. Uh, so I, I'm excited, and I think that the ghost hunt we'll be doing will fit in well with that. And uh, you, in fact, I believe we will be doing a red light science here, too, and you, you are bringing a very special gift for us as well. Uh, am I? Uh, you are? Am I? Quickly uh, remind me. <laughs> uh, Victorian, just think Victorian. Um, in terms of the music, yes. Um, yes. What, we're going to, what we're going to be having is, um, it's not It's not that special. I mean, it's... It is special. Uh, there is. There are um, in in some of the libraries. Uh, some of the library books are uh, the books I have in the library. Uh, they relate to the, the the early seances through the sort of uh, between the 19, 1900 and um, the music played a great a great part in the seances. And several of the books do give uh, lists of favourite songs. And what I've been able to do is to use the books to compile a list of uh, music that was used. Uh, both in British seances, but most importantly, because we're in New England, um, used by American, North American spiritualists in New England, in the Boston area, um, between uh, 1910 and 1930, uh, which we're going to hopefully play through a relatively authentic speaker. Um, maybe, but there's also... Maybe <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not. Um but there's also an interesting aspect to the ghost to the ghost hunts uh, at 
Uh, North Andover, aren't they? Um, something that's never been done before, I don't think, but we don't want to give too much away. It'll be okay, we'll hold off on it. A new, uh, well, we can say that it will be a unique uh, take on ghost investigation that's based purely on the word of the spirits. So we're get, we've taken advice from the world of spirit uh, about... Um, certain aspects of the ghost investigation and mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to employ those on those te- those techniques uh that the spirit world tell us are effective excellent and uh speaking about ghost hunts uh once again we will be opening up uh the lighthouse and fort constellation uh for a special uh ghost hunt at the lighthouse portsmouth harbor lighthouse and tickets are available from the our friends at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse website, so uh, you can check that out. And uh, that's so cool because I, I went to Fort Constitution and the lighthouse in Portsmouth last year for the first time. Uh, you took me on a ghost investigation night there um, with Jeremy, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And. That has to be one of the coolest locations that I've yet visited in New England. Um, the, listening to the accounts, uh, it is a, a, a quite a small site, but listening to the accounts um, from the Coast Guard uh, officers and uh, enlisted men, from members of the public and from previous investigators, including um, a guy called Ron Kolek and the New England Ghost Project, and their experiences made me realize that there was a location that is, uh, has got some very serious questions um, hanging over it and some very, very interesting reports that are, being co- that are coming from it. And so I'm incredibly excited to go back to there this year. And, I, and of course, uh, the ghost hunters were able to investigate it after we did as well. So that's, that you can actually go online and, and see their results of their investigation. Uh, Jeremy was the client at the time, so it's it's uh, if you're interested more about Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse and uh, you know this is really rare. We do haunted tours here like once a month for three or four months in the summertime, and once a year we open it up to this ghost hunt. And as I mentioned, is is only a, a limited number of spots available to this, so uh, it's always been good. People have got some great results of it. Uh, so in fact. Uh, uh, one of our listeners who has gone on many, many to many places, uh, a lot of these hot spots are, are on the TV shows, and he says he's never got better results than what he did at the Lighthouse and the Old Man. So uh, there you go. Well, I've got, I, I, I can't disagree with that. Um, both those locations, the Old Man's and the, the um, Lighthouse Fort Constitution at, at uh, Portsmouth, Mm-hmm. Stunning, um, but it's the quality of the of the reports, particularly from Fort Constitution and the Lighthouse, that had me intrigued. Um, you had a a continuity of reports and a consistency of reports from people who who didn't know each other and hadn't heard the other person's report. You had accounts of apparitions. Um, that, that go back years and are still being reported to, to right. probably the present day. Um, Last year, I saw one on a ghost tour, an absolute it, it, clear exactly. as a devil one. <clears throat> exactly, and 
it, it, that really does intrigue me. And they're the sort of cases that, you know, any self-respecting ghost investigator would just love to get their teeth sunk right into. Um, it's a fantastic location and, you know, any opportunity to go there, uh, you know, it's worth the three and a half mile, a three and a half thousand mile swim. Right. And, and uh, I'm, like I said, I'm really excited about Spirit Quest, the 18th to the 20th, which will have the Blair Witch Ghost Hunt. We'll also have the Dining with the Dead on Friday night. And we'll have workshops and presentations Saturday and Sunday, which a lot of cool ones. In fact, the, the one I'm doing on uh, Maureen and myself are doing on automatic writing, uh, you get to take a writing planchette home with you. So that that's going to be kind of cool. Uh, Roxy's work I already know is she's doing a witch's rope, which is a, uh, a way of manifesting things, and you get to make that in a workshop and take that home with you. And Kelly Spangler, of course, who was on the Ghost Adventures in, in Salem, will be doing one on prosperity, which will bring money your way. So there you go. It just gets better year on year. Um, mm-hmm. I won't be standing idle either, I hope. Um, you won't be getting anything off me. Um, there might be the odd copy of the book kicking about. Um, but you ha- unfortunately, you won't be able to make anything with me. Um, I'm just there doing karaoke and, and a couple of talks. Uh, no, no, you'll be, able to, uh, <laughs> you'll be able to do some amazing things. Well, what we'll be able to look at this year is is something called uh, smart ghost hunting. I'm not going to give too much away, but it's it's like 21st century witchcraft for ghost hunters. Mm-hmm. So, All right, and uh, Christy Parrish will be doing ghost tech, which will, she's come up with some innovative ghost hunting equipment, which you can buy in a dollar store. So there you go. There you go, you see. You can't buy my book in a dollar store. No. But if you buy a copy on Amazon, there's been a couple of people asking me if they'll be available for sale at, at Spirit Quest, and unfortunately right. not. The cost of transporting them across the Atlantic is prohibitive, but if you get one on Amazon and bring it along on the day or to one of the events, I'll happily sign it for you. What about Paracoustic? Uh, uh, that's the one I'm talking about. Um, Ghostology, unfortunately, won't be out before Halloween. Oh, that's a shame. Isn't that just a shame? I bet you're so happy. Yeah, and, and actually, you know, Kristen is talking a little bit about Four Constitution and uh, the first overt uh, skirmish of the Revolutionary War was, was actually uh, occurred there uh, way prior to Concord and Lexington and all the other ones. Um, there was a – Paul Revere actually rode up to Portsmouth. He got around that Paul Revere, and, uh, and he, 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 he told the, uh, the local militia there that uh, the British were planning to reinforce the fort, which was only manned by six or so uh, Brits at the time. And a group of 400 um, militia uh, attacked the fort, and the, uh, the British were quickly overwhelmed. Well, it's not really surprising. What sort of odds were that? What, six against 400? Proper, proper odds, proper odds. Yeah, so we did, like allow you, we did allow you fire, uh, fire a uh, musket uh, so that you can say you didn't give up without a fight. So yeah. there you go. Um, who bet, who, we what's the name of the only country that's ever successfully attacked America? Guns. We captured Oh, all no, that, was, that would be Great Britain. Excuse me. Sorry. Just remembering about 1812, that's all. I'm sorry, you didn't win that war. Ha, try again. No, but as I said, uh, what happened to the... We gave you the White House. You burned the White House. It wasn't... Yeah, it wasn't white until after you had to paint it afterwards. 
Yeah. Anyway, so uh, they actually uh, captured the the stirs, the guns, and the powder, and it was used at the Battle of Bunker Hill. And uh, they came back the next day and took all the cannon out of the fort. So that was really the first overt. Yeah. And uh, then they blow raspberries on ghost boxes of Brits. Of the Civil War. So there you go. Anyways, that was the bell, which means we got to go. So there you go. So uh, check out the website, anyghostproject.com, and uh, find out some more information. Of course, Dining with the Dead, almost forgot about that, on October 29th. I mean, no, excuse me, September 29th. So there you go. That's going to uh, be a cool one. That's so really next time, time to wrap it up. It isn't. <laughs> they actually kept parts of the White House black from the fire. It's still there today. We didn't actually, I don't think we intentionally burnt it. Um, bunch of heathens. No. The other thing as well, of course, is you keep forgetting. I mean, the Americans, you know, 1776 and all that, that, that was when you declared independence. You didn't get independence until 1783, did you, when it was given to you by Great Britain in the act of independence? Or whatever. We just yeah, made, ha, ha. Uh, let's get the history it. right. Did you sign it? That's it was all. the act. There you go. It's, it's typical a, British. Uh, well, we what? won't say that they won their independence. We'll just give it to them. Safe yeah. face. <laughs> Safe so face. Bad, so bad that French French fleet drove you out. That's that's really, that's probably the lowest of low, that you actually yeah. lost to the French. <sighs> that's that's really embarrassing. I think the underhanded trick was actually calling in the French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, anyway, au revoir, au revoir. Yeah, good night, bon, God bless. Bonsoir. Petit Falou. Mm. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.